Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. This past Sunday at Bethesda, we finished up our series from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, called Our All-Sufficient Savior. We have been looking at the four names given to our Savior from that verse, and today we come to the title, Prince of Peace. We encourage you to open up your Bibles with Pastor Roy and follow along. All right, today we are finishing up our series. We have been in Isaiah 9, 6, and we've been talking about each of the characteristics of our all-sufficient Savior. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And what a wonderful Prince of Peace we have. Somebody said that the peacemaking meeting that was scheduled for today has been canceled due to a conflict. Uh, That's about the peace we have in our world, isn't it? I'm reminded of the pastor, they said after a very long and boring sermon, the parishioners were making their way out the door. And as they were, there was one thoughtful person at the end of the line that... uh, commented to the pastor. He said, Pastor, today your sermon reminded me of the peace and love of God. The pastor was thrilled. No one had ever said that to him before. And and he said, well, tell me why. And he said, well, it reminded me of the peace of God because it passed all understanding. And it reminded me of the love of God because it endured forever. Uh, I hope neither of those will be true of this message today. Uh, that you will truly come to appreciate in a deeper way the Prince of Peace uh, that we serve and worship. I'm going to do what I have been doing uh, throughout this uh, four-week series. I'm going to talk about why do we need a Prince of Peace? Who is this Prince of Peace? And what does this Prince of Peace do? So first of all, why do we need a Prince of of peace. Well, it's pretty simple, really. World leaders do not have the power to create world peace. Look at the United Nations and how they try to come together and come up with a plan and a strategy to get everybody to be harmonious in our relationships between nations and countries and people, and it's impossible. Man cannot bring world peace. We have tension and turmoil at every turn, do we not? We have international turmoil. We have ISIS. We have Boko Haram. We have burning of churches in Africa. And on and on we could go with the international turmoil that we have in our world. We have national turmoil as well. We have a national debt. We have immigration problems. We have all kind of problems. We have political turmoil. We have judges and political leaders making laws that violate God's law. We have abortion. We have same-sex marriage. We have transgender issues. We have all kind of political turmoil. We even have digital turmoil, don't we? We turn on the television and we have to put up with the Vikings. I mean, (laughs) you know, or if that's not bad enough, then they put on the Patriots. But anyhow, we'll move on because we might be stepping on some toes. There's relational turmoil as well. Kids hate their parents, parents abandoning and abusing their children. We have relational turmoil 
at every hand. We have identity issues, gender issues, transgender issues. We have marital turmoil, husbands and wives going to court. We had a gal in our ministry a number of years ago. She had between her parents and her grandparents eight divorces. I mean, incredible marital turmoil. We have ecclesiastical turmoil. You're like, what in the world is that? Well, that's church turmoil. There's turmoil within churches. There's splits and factions and arguments and quarreling, even within churches. There's social sickness in every segment of society. Greed, jealousy, envy, racial hatred, pornography, alcohol, drug abuse. Why do we need a Prince of Peace? (laughs) Simple. We have no peace on earth. We do not have peace. Dr. Robert Oppenheimer, who supervised the creation of the first atomic bomb, appeared before a congressional committee. They inquired of him if there was any defense against that weapon. Certainly, the great physicist replied, and that is, Dr. Oppenheimer looked over the hushed, expectant audience and said softly, peace is the defense. But yet, in over 3,100 years of recorded history, we have only been at peace 8% of the time. We have experienced peace 286 years out of over 3,100 years of recorded history. So why do we need a Prince of Peace? What did this Prince of Peace come to do? Well, shalom. See, we do not know what shalom is in our day. We have no clue. Shalom was a common greeting, Hebrew, but also meant peace. A couple other ideas is harmonious relations and freedom from disputes, as well as blessing and contentment, wholeness, completeness, soundness. That's what was happening in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. It was called shalom. The shalom, the peace of God, was there. There was no sin. There was no turmoil. There was no factions. There was no argument. I mean, it was absolutely perfect. We have never experienced that in our day. It carries the idea as well as prosperity, success, welfare, the state of health that we have. Contentment. And why was that? It was because of the presence of God. In Genesis 15, 15, it says, Abram would die at an old age, listen, in peace, in shalom. Why was Abram able to die in shalom? Because he had no unfinished business. He walked with God. And because of that, he had this incredible shalom. And, you know, it would be interesting if just somehow for one day, one day in our life, if we could experience shalom, do you know what I think would happen? We would throw our smartphones in the trash. We would smash our computers. We would tell Google to find another planet. (laughs) We would, Amazon would have to shut down. They wouldn't have enough sales. If we truly understood the shalom of God, we have never experienced the shalom of God.
not to the degree that he wants us to because of the incredible turmoil in our world. I mean, think about it. A world without wickedness, a culture without chaos, purity without any stitch of perversity. That's what shalom is. And not only that, there was no floods, there were no earthquakes, there were no hurricanes, no sickness, no disease, no prisons, no pollution, no ISIS threats, no taxes, no immigration, no in-law trouble. I mean, it was a perfect place. And we have so ministered, but here was the, here was the key. Do you know what made Shalom possible? It was the unbroken unhindered fellowship with God. That's what shalom is. It is unbroken, unhindered fellowship with God. They didn't even have clothes between them. <laughs> I mean, incredible, right? Incredible. I'm sure there were no tick bites and no mosquito bites, and it's probably a good thing because they weren't wearing clothes, right? Are you with me? So, world leaders do not have the power to create world peace, but this is a shalom that God desires. Also, why do we need a prince of peace? Because we cannot obtain it through religion or some mental exercise. There are all kinds of religions out there that proclaim, here's how you get peace. Let me just mention a couple of them to you. Buddhism. How do they get peace? Through this breathing meditation. Oh, you got to empty yourself of all your anger and all your fear and do all these things and just sit and kind of meditate and have this meditative breathing session. And you will create inner peace. However, the problem is you are trying to manufacture your own peace. We cannot manufacture peace in any way, shape, or form. God has not given that to us to do. They talk about focusing on love and compassion to overcome negative states of mind. Hinduism. Hinduism says there's no pleasure and no desire that can touch the soul. If you can do that, then you will be at peace. But let me ask you, how do you have no pleasure and no desire that touches your soul? I mean, they would say this would be a perfect state of consciousness if you had that. And I'm like, that's not possible. And so some people try Hinduism to free themselves from all these attachments. Some people try yoga through visualization, visualization and meditation. But here's the deal. You got to get on the floor. You got to get your body in these contorted positions. And some of us would need a chiropractor after we did it. <laughs> and wouldn't be able to get up off the floor and do these special things, and we got to visualize, and we got to think about and, and do that mantra of light, light, light. And think about light and, and pass light from your head through your feet and down your back. And light is supposed to penetrate from one part of your body to another. And you can project that light onto other people. I mean, it's incredible. They have a whole list of things that you do. Circulate light through your head, your whole body, your legs, your feet, your arms, your hands. And at the same time, say light, light, light. Uh, you can even visualize, they say, a small star, a dot of a light, and as a star circulates the earth, think earth. Then let the star circulate in the sky around your body, through your body. This is, then think the mantra, star, star, star. 
Rub circles on your stomach with one hand and the star comes to rest. Move a hand, send all people light, and think I send light to and just say their name. That's the kind of stuff that people are looking for. But without the Prince of Peace, that's what we have to go to, something like that. But the shalom of God that he wants to give us. Why do we need a Prince of Peace? Because we faced a host of pickpockets of our peace. I'm going to give you five. Five pickpockets to our peace that absolutely will come and rob us blind of our peace that God has for us. Number one, conflict. Conflict is a pickpocket of peace. Between individuals and nations, we see bloodshed. The number of people that have been killed in the name of war for the goal of peace and freedom. It's incredible. They say as many as 500,000 Iraqis have died as a result of the conflict between the U.S. and Iraq. Over 4,400 service members were killed as well. Homes have become war zones filled with anger, conflict, fighting, tension, quarreling, arguing, disputes, unresolved issues. Incredible. Pickpocket number two, threats. Threats to national security. Israel was facing threats from Assyria. Israel was also engaged in idolatry because they did not find the peace and the shalom of God being sufficient for their needs. They began to fail to trust God. And because of that, they exposed themselves to all kinds of threats. That's what happens. We face danger and risk to our personal safety. We become vulnerable and frightened. And it robs us of our peace. We have shootings like Sandy Hook and bomb threats and people bullied at school. Sudden change in one's health or sickness or a serious injury becomes a threat to my peace unless I really understand the Prince of Peace who's there for us. A third pickpocket to our peace is a catastrophic event. It could be a tornado, a flood, a hurricane, a tsunami, an earthquake, a crash in the stock market, a breakout of war, a loss of job or income, or economic turn, downturn, a financial reversal that has left me devastated. Some catastrophic event can rob us of our peace if we're not putting it in the Prince of Peace. Number four discontent. I'm so unhappy with my station in life which I find myself. I could not possibly find peace in my situation. We experience jealousy and envy and these spring from a discontented heart. A heart that is restless is void of peace. Number five, disobedience. When we disregard God's laws, we do not pay attention to his word, and that's exactly what happened to the Israelites. They disregarded, if we were to go back to Isaiah chapter 1, and we don't have time to read this, but I would encourage you, maybe this afternoon or this week, read from Isaiah 1 all the way up through chapter 9 in the passage we're studying now, 
and you will see the incredible forsaking of God, forsaking of the Prince of Peace, forsaking of the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And here's what it says in verse 2 of chapter 1, they rebelled against me talking about the Israelites rebelling against God. He says in verse 4, All sinful nature, nation, a people loaded with guilt. And this is what happens when we disobey God's law. We experience guilt, and that guilt strips us of our peace with God. A brood of evildoers, children given to corruption, they have forsaken the Lord, they have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Look down at verse 5, chapter 1. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured. Your whole heart afflicted. See, the shalom of God had been stripped from them. They were sick socially, sick with sin. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Remember what we said shalom was? Soundness, completeness, wholeness, well-being. Only wounds and welts and open sores not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. And then it goes on and talks about their country and the turmoil that they faced as a result of that. So disobedience leads to guilt. And that guilt not only hurts me spiritually, it can actually have physical ramifications. Uh, Physically, it can cause damage to me. And the other thing that disobedience does, and we see this in Scripture, we won't have the time to look it all up, but again, if you read through Isaiah, you will see this over and over, is the social injustice to people where they weren't caring for the poor and they weren't taking care of the people around them and their social injustice because they disobeyed God, they engaged in idolatry, their self-centeredness, and they lost the Prince of Peace. Well, who is this Prince of Peace? He is the sovereign God of the universe. He holds this universe in the palm of his hand, and he knows everything about me. Every fear, every doubt, every frustration, every brokenness of my life, every moment of chaos, frustration, he knows everything. This is the prince who has come to bring shalom to the world. That's who he is. He's the prince of peace. He knows everything about me. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. God knows me intimately. There is no hurt. There is no pain. There is no burden that he doesn't know and understand that he can't speak peace to my heart. And if we go back to the Garden of Eden and we see the incredible unhindered, unbroken fellowship with God. That's what he longs for us today. That same kind of unbroken, unhindered fellowship with God. That's what he longs for us to have today. What does this Prince of Peace do? He reconciles relationships. He can take someone who is hostile and give them a heart of peace. 
He can take people who are at enmity with one another and give them love for one another. <laughs> he can take people who want to destroy one another and redeem them so that they are serving together in the body of Christ. That's what he can do. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the God who wants to bring shalom. Remember what I said we would do if we had one day where we could experience shalom. We would throw away our smartphones. We would smash our computers. We would send Google to another planet. Remember what I, when I said that at the outset? Well, here's, here's what God did to bring shalom to the earth. He sent Jesus in the form of a baby who would grow up and die on a cross because he wants shalom for the world. That's how much he wants shalom. He experienced shalom with man in the garden before sin. And he wants that kind of shalom today between family members, between church members, between communities, between nations. He wants to be the prince of peace of all the world. That's what he wants. And we won't totally experience it till we get to heaven. The prince of peace, the shalom of God. Listen to these verses in Ephesians 2, 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two, and he's talking about Jew and Gentile who hated each other, enmity between them, they fought. He says he's made the, he has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who were near. He's preaching peace to arch enemies, Jews and Gentiles, and he's saying, I can bring them together. I can give them the shalom of God. I can put the shalom of God in a Gentile, and I can put it in a Jew, and they will love one another. <laughs> and we see in the millennial kingdom, the lion and the lamb will lie down together. He says that the swords will be turned into plowshares and the spears into pruning hooks. <laughs> there will be no need of weapons of war anymore in the millennial kingdom when the Prince of Peace comes and ushers in that peace that only he can provide. Peace is only possible because of the Prince of Peace. And that's why Paul writes in Romans 5.1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. Justified by faith in Jesus Christ, not through some transcendental meditation, not through some breathing exercise that I do, not through positive thinking. No, I recognize my lostness before a prince of peace who came to be the savior of the world to save me from my sinfulness, to save you from your sinfulness so we can serve God together and spread the aroma of Christ to the world. That's his desire for us, the Prince of Peace. Boy, doesn't that make you hungry for a world that is, violence is gone, <laughs> hatred is gone, bitterness is gone, jealousy is gone, envy is gone, it's all gone, and we are at absolute peace with one another. Every hurt that we ever caused has been healed, every racial slur has been removed, <laughs> 
No more shootings. No more locks on the doors. I mean, shalom, the shalom of God. The freedom we would have to worship him. That's his desire. That's why he sent Jesus. That's what he, Christmas is all about. He reconciles relationships. And maybe if you are in a family and you have a broken relationship, I beg you, get on your knees before God and beg the Prince of Peace to reconcile the relationship. There are far too many broken relationships, even among Christians, are there not? Where the prince, the pickpocket of peace has come and has destroyed churches, Christian families, pastors, church leaders have been ruined because of the pickpocket of peace. And yet we have a prince of peace who has come to reconcile every relationship I remember years ago, I don't know, how many of you remember the, the story, The Cross and the Switchblade? David Wilkerson, what a great, great example of the Prince of Peace. Here you had a man, Nicky Cruz, who was a leader of a gang who all he knew was fight and war and hate and bitterness and full of hurt in his life, and he would try to hurt anybody he could until the Prince of Peace invaded his life and he became an evangelist. That's what the Prince of Peace can do. He can transform relationships. I have some people in my neighborhood that need the Prince of Peace. How about you? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that peace does? When I am cleansed of my sin... I have a cleansed conscience. There's no more guilt. The Bible says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The guilt, the bondage has been removed. I'm at peace with God. And that cleansed conscience eases my mind. Abraham believed God, it says, and it was counted to him as righteousness. What did Abraham believe? He believed that his faith in God made him righteous. And his faith in God allowed him to receive forgiveness for his sins. And he was able to look forward to Jesus' death on the cross who reconciles all relationships. And we look back to the cross to be reconciled in our relationship with God because we cannot have peace without righteousness. The second thing this Prince of Peace does, he guards my mind. Think about this. He guards my mind. And I could say my heart as well. He tells us in Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here, Paul pictures God's peace as a garrison a guard keeping watch over the Philippians' hearts and their minds, protecting them from all assaults. And since Philippi was guarded by a Roman garrison at the time, the metaphor would have been easily understood. They would have seen that and understood that. And here's the thing. My mind, my emotions, and my will is protected by the Prince of Peace. <laughs> it is protected my marriage 
my relationships are protected by the Prince of Peace. When I allow the peace of God to rule in my heart. When you allow the peace of God to rule in your heart, it's amazing how there's a protection there of relationships and how we can serve one another in love. The two organs that brings, that, that we, where worry happens is the heart and the mind. And God protects them both. There's also that peace that comes from fellowship with God. We talked about the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve in perfect fellowship with God. The shalom of God was perfect. And there was a fellowship with God. And that happens when we enter into the presence of God. The presence of God goes with us everywhere we go. And it's so vital that we take the presence of God with us everywhere we go. Kids, you take the presence of God into your classroom. You take the presence of God onto the ball field, onto the basketball court, wherever you are, into the field, into the office. The presence of God is there. And we can experience the shalom of God in our heart. Fellowship with God. Why is that possible? Well, the Bible says if we walk in the light, as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have what? Fellowship. It comes from that obedience. Guilt has been removed. My conscience has been cleansed. And now I'm at fellowship with God. I have this deep, abiding, personal relationship with God. And it says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, you know what happens when I drive down the road. If I'm going down the road, and I am going a lot faster than the speed limit. And not only am I going a lot faster than the speed limit, but I have in my possession, in my wallet, a driver's license that is expired. <laughs> and I have a taillight out. And I'm going too fast. How am I going to feel driving by the police officer? Guilty, <laughs> right? Has a police officer done anything to me? No. But what is my relationship to the police officer? Guilt, shame, condemnation, <laughs> judgment. And he's going to bring all that on me. And I'm going to experience all that. Why? Because my relationship with him is not right because I've broken the law in several ways. And the same is true spiritually. If we break and we violate the law of God, we will not experience the shalom of God in our life. God hasn't changed. Our relationship with him has changed because we have broken his law. And that's what happened to the Israelites. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. And they experienced fear, guilt, shame, and hid themselves, what does it say? From the presence of the Lord. No longer was there that shalom that God had with them. And here's what it says in Psalm 119, 165. I love this. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Peace also comes from meditating on our Prince of Peace. You will keep him in perfect peace, Isaiah 26.3 says, whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusts 
in you. The trust factor. What does this Prince of Peace do? He makes me content. The discontent has been removed. I am satisfied with Jesus and Jesus alone. You know, I I was thinking this week, I wonder if I would feel any more sense of peace if I had $10 million in the bank versus what I do have, which is a lot less than that. And the answer is I probably would, but I shouldn't. I should have no more peace if I have $10 million in the bank or $1 because my relationship with the Prince of Peace has nothing to do with external things. It has everything to do with my spirit and God. And that's where my trust should be. My trust should be in the Lord who knows me intimately inside out. He makes me content. Contentment comes from placing my trust in the Prince of Peace. Here's what he says in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord. How? With all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will what? Direct your path. Does that bring peace? Knowing that God is going to direct me and I don't have to figure it out myself? Yes, it does. It gives me great peace. Trust in the Savior, not my savings account. Praise God. Trust in the Savior, not my doctor's report. Trust in the Savior, not my retirement portfolio. Trust in the Savior for my security, not my alarm system. It's in the Lord. I don't know about you, but the more I think about it, the more I long for the shalom of God. That we would personally experience it, that we would experience it as a church, that we would be so concerned and burdened for our neighbors and friends who do not know the Prince of Peace and are not reconciled to God, who are struggling with the guilt, the shame, the separation from God, and have never experienced the shalom of God. Oh, God, help us so that they would come to know his shalom, his peace. And God's desire, he wants it so bad, he sent his only son to be the prince of peace, to die on the cross, to give us the shalom of God. That's how much he wants it for us. Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And while you do, let me ask you, are you at peace with God right now? Do you have the peace of God? Have you been justified by faith? Do you remember the time that that happened where you made peace with the Prince of Peace, where you confessed your sin? You said, God, I'm a sinner. My life's a mess. I'm a wreck. I'm in turmoil, but I'm thankful that you can bring peace to my heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you have turmoil in your family or extended family, and you're like, you know what? We've got a pretty messed up case. Your case is not beyond the Prince of Peace. Maybe you're having marital trouble. Maybe nobody knows. 
But I can tell you this, the Prince of Peace wants to invade your marriage. Not invade, he wants invited in to your marriage to help you. And maybe this afternoon you can get down on your knees before the Prince of Peace and say, God, we need you to bring healing to our relationship, to our marriage. Maybe you are at war with your children, or your children are at war with you. Maybe it's time to seek the Prince of Peace and allow him to come in. Maybe you have a lost neighbor or coworker who is lost, and you see their anger, you see their hatred, you see the venom that comes out of their mouth because they don't know the Prince of Peace. Would you put them on your prayer list? And would you pray for them faithfully that they would come to know the shalom of God, the peace of God, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And once we have peace with God, then we have the peace of God. Are you spending time in the presence of God? Yes, he goes with us everywhere we go, but are you consciously aware of his presence and the peace that he wants to give us? I would encourage you. If you have a spiritual need in your life today, I'll be shaking hands at the back door. I'd be willing to pray with you, to approach the Prince of Peace with you. If you have questions about your relationship with God, I'd be willing to sit down with you and open God's Word with you, and share with you how you can have a personal, dynamic, real, intimate relationship with God. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.